0: light versus darkness, love versus hate, hope versus hopelessness. That's pretty much the story of all our lives, a constant battle. And that's why it's important in your story, if you're going to have a villain, your villain must be well-structured. In this episode, we're going to continue our analysis into villains and how to make sure the villain of your story is effective in moving your plot forward. Welcome to a Writer's Day Podcast. Hello and welcome to my podcast. My name is Ruth Douthit, and I'm an award-winning author of books for middle grade readers and women's fiction. And I started this podcast as a way to help motivate writers to find out what published authors are up to and to glean their knowledge to help you. My audience consists of newcomers to the writing business and well-established authors. So welcome. Not too long ago, I did a podcast episode that was about villains and why they're important to your story. Now, I do know that not all stories are going to have a villain, and that's okay. A lot of stories just have the conflict or the antagonist, which can be a teacher or a coach or even the main character himself. Sometimes the antagonist is a natural storm, a cancer diagnosis or just uh, a mental illness that the main character must have. Anything that obstructs your hero, your character, from reaching his or her goal is considered an antagonist. But a villain, well, that's something different. Light versus darkness is pretty much what a villain is all about. Why do we love well-constructed villains so much I don't know. There's an intrigue there, isn't there? My favorite villain of all time, of course, Darth Vader. Why is he my favorite? I don't know. But when he came onto that screen, and I saw him for the first time at age 10, and he contrasted with that white spaceship hallway in that flowing black cape, and he just, you know, entered with that ominous music, I was intrigued. And I wanted to know more, especially when he started to show his strengths, his powers. If you want to know more about villains, I highly recommend the podcast Villains of Film and Fiction. The podcaster analyzes villains from film and literature, and he does an outstanding job. I'm watching a current show called Killing Eve. It's on Hulu, and it's based off of the novellas, a series of novellas by Luke Jennings. And the novellas are called Codename Villanelle. What a neat name, isn't it, for the villain? Villanelle. The villain in this series of books and the villain in this show is one of the best villains I've ever seen. It's She's so well-written, well-developed, in that there are certain types of villains, and that's key, step one in the development of the villain for your story. So I brought up Darth Vader. Let's talk about this type of villain first. Villanelle represents the other kind of villain. What are the two types? Well, one villain can be redeemable, and the other one has no chance of redemption. Now remember, as I said before, a villain is not necessarily the antagonist. You can have a helpful teacher, you know, place obstacles in your character's way. A parent, like in the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Part of the antagonists were his parents who loved him dearly. and they, But they were trying to keep Ferris from reaching his goal, which was to enjoy a day off. You can have a boyfriend or a girlfriend be an antagonist, but a villain is something different. What sets them apart? A villain's goal is to destroy the hero. Their main motivation is to destroy the hero from reaching her goal, no matter what. That's their main purpose in the story. So in order to do this, you have to decide at the start. Will your villain be redeemable, like Darth Vader? We find out years before in the prequels that he is Anakin Skywalker. We find out that Anakin turned to the dark side of the Force for a reason. And a lot of it had to do with a set of circumstances that he had no control over. He was brought to the jedi temple to start jedi training against all warnings that he was too old to begin the training but his mentor obi-wan kenobi insisted on it and so did Gwai gon and so he became part of the jedi training so right there he had no choice it was his destiny as a result of the being too old to begin jedi training that ended up turning against him he fell in love and uh, had jealousy, had hatred, and that began his turn to the dark side. So years later, when he runs into his son, and he sees his son about to be killed, he redeems himself, steps in, and saves his son, and destroys the Emperor, and saves the universe. So he was was the chosen one to bring peace and balance to the galaxy, but it didn't turn out the way everybody thought it was going to turn out, but it did turn out. So he was a redeemable villain. So you see how I had a background with uh, Anakin? I introduced the background. That's the exposition. That's the same with your villain. He or she must have some sort of an exposition, a background. Who are they? What happened to them in their life that caused them to turn and become this monster? right? This killing machine. I mean, Anakin Skywalker killed children or younglings as they were called. How could someone be such a monster? What happens to them? You have to be able to answer those questions when someone asks you about your villain. So that's an example of a redeemable villain. There's a lot of them in literature and in film. Well, let's say you don't want your villain to be redeemable You want him to be evil at the start and completely evil at the end of your story. There's plenty of examples in literature and film of those types of villains, even in real life. Cormac McCarthy wrote No Country for Old Men, which became an award-winning film. The villain in this movie, again, is one of the most well-written, well-structured villains of all time in that he is a killing machine. But in the book, we find out that there's a reason behind that. He's a Vietnam veteran and the war pretty much made him a killing machine, void of all feelings. And in the movie, he's brilliantly portrayed by Javier Bardem, who does an amazing job of the coldness, the deadness in his eyes. That's perfect for what he has to do he is a killing machine a a gun for hired and he goes around killing people until he reaches his goal void of all feelings and when you're watching him in action sometimes he approaches someone to kill them and you're just not sure if he's going to do it or not and there's that tension that's created in the movie in the line of fire the villain set out to kill and destroy the hero who is played by Clint Eastwood, a secret service agent is void of all feelings and could care less. We find out in his backstory that he worked for the CIA who was actually killing for the U S government. And they made him a monster, a killing machine void of all feelings. He will kill anyone and anybody in his path to destroying our hero. No redemption for this person at all. Lord Voldemort, in the Harry Potter series, again, made a monster. We are given a glimpse of his exposition. We see that it started when he was very young and was part of the dark arts, the dark magic, bent on one thing, to destroy good. And he encounters Harry Potter... And realizes that's his chosen nemesis and he must destroy him at all costs. It doesn't matter if he's a little boy. He could care less. He must kill the hero. He is void of all feelings. Dead inside. No redemption from the beginning all the way to the end of the series. There's no redemption for Voldemort. And we see this in Real life, like with Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, Ed Kemper, some of the most notorious and prolific serial killers ever to walk the earth. Jack the Ripper. You know, think of all these serial killers. When you study them and their exposition, you find out there's a reason behind what made them become a monster. It's not an excuse. You know, for Ted Bundy, he hinted that it was the lies that his mother had told him. He found out That the man he thought was his father wasn't his father. His mother had lied to him. And uh, that, the, the behavior of his mother caused him to hate. To hate women and to want to hurt. To want to make other people hurt as badly as he did. And that is what slowly turned him into a monster. A killing machine. So the exposition of your villain isn't going to be set up as an excuse. All right, so what we find out about Anakin Skywalker doesn't excuse all the killing that he committed, but it does explain it. And that's the point. You want to be able to explain how your villain became the killing machine that he or she is and why they are so bent on destroying, not just stopping, but destroying your hero there has to be a connection. And that's the next topic. So I've given you the two types of villains, redeemable and irredeemable. It's up to you, the type of villain you want to have in your story. But this is most important, the connection. The villain of your story must connect in some way to your hero. There must be a connection somewhere in their past. Uh, We find out with Darth Vader, he was very much connected to Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia. We find out that there's a connection between um, the villain in No Country for Old Men and the hero, who is kind of like an anti-hero, but they were both Vietnam veterans. They both had that connection. They both had paths that they could take. One chose a certain way, the other one chose to be a monster, a killing machine. Lord Voldemort had a deep connection with Harry Potter. And even in scripture, in the Bible, Jesus and Satan, think about their connection. Jesus is called the light. Satan came from the void that hovered over the deep. He came from utter darkness. But before that, he was created by God. Jesus is eternal, but Lucifer was an angel created by God. He turned against God because he wanted to be as powerful as God and was cast out, along with his demons, into the lake of fire. So Jesus is called light. Satan was cast into darkness. Jesus is called the son of God. Satan was an angel, but now is a fallen angel, the devil, a hideous creature. Jesus is eternal. He always existed with God. Satan was created as Lucifer, so he was created by God. Jesus is perfection. Satan is fallen. The purpose of Jesus is to save. The purpose of Satan is to destroy. Why is that Jesus' purpose? Because of love. Why is that Satan's purpose? Because of jealousy, envy, hatred, of all things good. So what is the connection of your villain to your hero? There needs to be a connection. And it doesn't have to be outright obvious, but you can hint at it to your readers so that they can figure it out on their own. Or you can provide a backstory, an exposition, a section in your book, or if it's a series, a section in one of your books that explains the connection as what J.K. Rowling did in the Harry Potter series. There's a section in her entire series that explains how Voldemort became who he is and his connection to Harry Potter and his family. That's up to you how you reveal that connection. But there must be one you don't want your readers to scratch their heads wondering, I wonder why this villain just absolutely hates the hero. I don't get it. What's their problem? They should be able to figure it out and say, Ah, oh, now I see why he or she wants my hero dead, you know? So remember, the antagonist is different than the villain. The antagonist can be a disease, a mental illness, an object. It can be them the, themselves, your hero themselves, Causing their own obstacles in their path, it can be a person, whether it's a parent, coach, teacher, friend. It can be an animal, that's keeping your hero from going forward. Or it can be a circumstance, like in the book I'm reading, where the heart is, by Billy Letts. It's a cute story, and the hero, the main character of the book, finds herself pregnant, very pregnant, in a Walmart overnight. And because her boyfriend has left her. And that's her circumstance. And that circumstance becomes the main antagonist for her. What is she going to do? From that moment forward, she's stranded at a Walmart with like seven bucks. So you have to determine the antagonist. And there could be many. But the villain should just be one. And it doesn't have to be a person. It could be a space alien. It could be a wild animal. doesn't necessarily have to be... A person, or like in Stephen King's, it can be a scary, grotesque clown. I don't know, but your villain has to be real, has to be well formed, and dynamic and interesting for your readers. We just recently saw the movie The Thing by John Carpenter, and as I was watching that movie, I thought, wow, this is quite a villain. You know, it came from outer space. It takes over human bodies or bodies of animals and just destroys. And so you it's very unpredictable. You don't know where it's going to strike or how it's going to strike. It can mimic a human being so well that you don't even know you're talking to the alien. So psychologically, it damages all the characters in the story. So don't think that your villain has to be just a person. You can choose it, but make sure your villain is well-crafted whether it's a space creature or a person. Another way it connects to your hero is your hero has a goal, right? That came from the inciting incident. So should your villain. Your villain has a goal. Something happened that caused them to to have their paths run parallel and then they're going to face off together at the climax. They have to meet somewhere in the climactic moment. But your villain has a goal. What is his goal? To destroy your hero. Your villain has a goal, and that is to destroy your hero. Why? Something happened in their past that made them a monster, that made them want to destroy the good that is in your hero. That's up to you to decide. But something has to happen. Think of your own life. Who or what is your antagonist? What obstacles are in your path? Who or what is your villain? Do you have someone who's out there to destroy your life? If not, that's great. Most of us don't. But think of the people who do, and try and study those situations. And think of the resolution to your story that you're writing. There has to be a satisfying ending. Whether or not you want the villain to win, that's up to you. I've had many students ask me, does the good guy always have to win, Mrs. Dalton? Well, no, of course not but the ending must be satisfying. So if your villain's gonna win, you better have a satisfying ending, a reason why they win. If your hero is going to win, you have to decide if your villain's gonna be redeemable at the end or not. If they're just evil all the way through, void of all feelings, that's up to you. To learn more about villains, I highly recommend the podcast, Villains. Um, It is fantastic. They analyze villains from literature and film, and they study the psychology behind the villains. They really go deep into, you know, the feelings of Anakin, the feelings behind the villain in No Country for Old Men, the villain in Killing Eve. I mean, he really dissects these villains. And as you're listening, you can decide if that's how you want your villain to be. You know, very chilling, very cold, very distant, or very vocal about how much they hate. You know, very uh, expressive about how much they hate the uh, hero. That's up to you. But I highly recommend that podcast. I think you'll get a lot out of it if you're struggling with how to write your villain. So go forward and write. Construct brilliant characters to make your story even more brilliant and move the plot forward because that's what it's all about. And I hope that you've gotten a bit of information and encouragement from this episode. And why do we love villains so much? Why are we so intrigued with them? I don't know. But they are an important part of the story. So if you're going to have a villain in your story, like those superhero movies I always tell my son, a superhero movie is only as good as its villain. So if you're going to have a villain in your story, he or she has to be well structured. So good luck. Go forward. Keep writing. Always moving forward in your writing journey. And until next time, God bless.